shuffle off to Buffalo. It's my friend Lillian Bustle. <laughs> uh, Jen, are you ready to tackle that temptation with a time step? <laughs> you know I am. I got some bell kicks for you, too. Ooh, ooh I love it. <laughs> So today we are playing doubles thespians because not only do we have with us um, the wonderful Brett Schufert, we also have with him his husband Stephen Hanna. The two of them together are known as the Broadway husbands. They go viral with their TikToks and their beautiful dances and their little co-prince moments. Welcome Brett and Stephen. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Uh, we are so delighted to have you both here. Uh, so Thespians, Brett Shuford is um, a working actor and Broadway life coach. He's performed, produced, choreographed, and directed dozens of Broadway regional, national tours, viral videos, television and film productions from Wicked to The Wolf of Wall Street. As a certified life coach, he has helped creatives all over the world move from imposter to influencer with the creative marketing map, which is something that we'll bring up and talk about a little later. Having worked with colleges, universities, and corporations such as Disney and Marketing Impact Academy, he is a very highly sought-after speaker and educator for professional creatives. His insights have been featured in leading outlets like the Huffington Post, Backstage, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and America's Got Talent. Um, together with his husband, Stephen Hanna, they have a lifestyle blog called Broadway Husbands. Um, and Stephen also teaches. He is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He has danced with the New York City Ballet, where he rose to the rank of principal dancer. Uh, Stephen's Broadway resume includes hits like Hello, Dolly! with Bette Midler, An American in Paris, On the Town, Billy Elliot the Musical, um, Silence the Musical, which is where I first saw Stephen before I knew him. And he has been on the national tours of Come Fly Away and Phantom. In TV and film, he's been on Pose, Forever, Boardwalk Empire, Momsters, All My Children, Center Stage, and Fourth Position. The two of these dynamite forces together are the Broadway husbands, and we are so excited to have them with us today. Wow, what an intro. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for providing such great material. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so delighted to have you both with us. We're so excited to be here. I can't believe you saw Stephen in Silence. Silence. It's so funny so that you funny. mentioned Silence because, not funny that you mentioned it, but somebody posted um, an article in the Times today and, you know, tagged everyone from the, the show that the house where Buffalo Bill lived in the movie that is south, I believe, I, I'm not sure, I didn't read the article, I just saw it. But they're having a hard time selling it. <laughs> but I believe it's south of Pittsburgh. So I feel like it's probably in the middle of nowhere. And that's probably why they're having a hard time selling it. But You know, yeah. conversely, the Nightmare on Elm Street house gets picked up every single time it's on the market. <laughs> every time. And the Home Alone house uh, is about to be Airbnb'd here and there so that you can mm. go in. And like, brilliant. Have That's an amazing idea. I, <laughs> I want to do it so badly. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like silence could be one of your stories about drawing the boards. I love silence so much. There was like, their dressing room was like next to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh God. Right. I mean, would like make the stakes. It was, when the... I did it, yeah, we, it was in a haunted house. So, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I did. I saw Steven in Silence. It's one of my very favorite, one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. It's hilarious. I, I unfortunately didn't see it, but it is a cultural touchstone for a lot of people. Like it, it for one of those, I feel like that should be a subgenre of off-Broadway show, right? The thing that's a specific send up to mm. something. Um, this wasn't, this was, I think I saw it in the Fringe Festival, but I saw a, a musical version of Goonies that like, oh. I will never, it will never leave my mind. Like I think about it just randomly all the time when I'm grocery <laughs> shopping or something. That is so fun. I wish I could see a musical of Goonies. It was great. It was, right? it was, back, be it was back before like cell phones or I think it was like 2003. It was literally the best thing I've ever seen in the Fringe. <laughs> you know what would it adapt very well? Throw Mama from the Train. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Can you imagine that as like immersive theater? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be fun. 
Jen and I are talking all the time about how <laughs> nobody will do new intellectual properties, and we we like to like what if some of the bizarrest stuff <laughs> repurposed into like oh a children's show. Yeah. <laughs> Silence is proof that any of it can be done. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's actually, it's like, it was a good show. You know? It was a great show yeah. with yeah. impeccable talent. I saw you. Yeah. It's how I met Pamela Bob. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whom I absolutely adore. I mm-hmm. I mean, just, it was mm-hmm. so great. So my first professional gig was right out of high school at the Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals, which doesn't exist anymore. But I, what I do remember is we used to make up a song because Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals is G-I-O-M. And we used to do... La Vibo M, but we would do G I O M G I O M and we'd be like made this like whole parody song. I can't remember all the lyrics, but because it was such a crazy experience. You're like living in Galveston doing summer stock, but it was outdoor theater on this huge cement stage. And I had just graduated high school. It was very green. I'd just come out of the closet. I'd never been around so many people who had worked professionally, who were openly gay, who were from New York City. I mean, it was just like, you know, it was like my eyeballs were just like, wait, what is this? Um, And the first show we did was Oklahoma. And And who were you in Oklahoma? I was in the ensemble. Well, like, did you have any, like, lines were like two bits i don't remember i feel i mean they used you know so basically i was hired as a local apprentice because i was only i had just turned 18 and so and i'd auditioned locally so it was like me and erica mansfield who just opened in mrs doubtfire on broadway this week and we were both like she was like 16 or 17 i was just turned 18 and we would drive around on golf carts and clean the bathrooms before the shows um, and then do the shows, right? And then, uh, and they paid us like $100 a week. It was something like, it was something oh, ridiculous. Right. Were you able to save for retirement in that gig? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Matching they 401k. Put, they put all of us up in this, they had, you know, because it's Galveston, everything's built up on stilts because of the flooding and the hurricanes. So we lived in this like, housing dorms style housing on the theaters like campus um i just i mean honestly if i was there now i'd be like what is this but at 18 i was like this is so exciting it was like camp you know (laughs) and i remember we so we did oklahoma ensemble and then we did singing in the rain and me and scott Leindecker were like the two younger um cosmo and like Fit as a fiddle and ready for love, you know. Oh, that we they like, started off. You guys started off as young. Yeah, we did oh, some sort huh. of like thing. I don't remember. I remember we did I've like never that. Seen it live. And then, <laughs> but they what they did is they, because it was the cement stage and the original theater was built for this show that they did called I think it was called Texas, and it was built in like the sixties <laughs> or seventies, and it was the the telling of Texas and this big outdoor stage. So derivative, plain. <laughs> It's, yeah, Blaine. So, yeah, <laughs> nothing ever happens Blaine. in Blaine. And then, um, and then, so the stage is ginormous, and and behind it is like this big berm, and behind that is like this big pond where they would do like a water show that no longer. So now it was just basically at this point, this is 1997. It was just a mosquito pond. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, like we started Oklahoma and Curly rode out on a horse on the berm, you know. <laughs> that's oh so my cool. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so, but then I remember seeing in the rain, they had to build the rain contraption. So they, they, they just bought like huge PVC pipes and built, I don't know where they got the water from, if it was from the pond in the back or Ew. I don't know. Mm. And they <laughs> built this like, Fake proscenium. Was this union? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says a lot about equity. Yeah. Um, but then you, they built this, like, proscenium, and then they hit, hit it, the pipes behind it. But they didn't have, like, an engineer do it. I think they just hired some, like, local guy, and just, like, they just punched some holes in the pipe. And so when it rained, I'll never forget, the first time in dress rehearsal, they were like, okay, now we're going to run the rain the pipe like broke off and just water just started spewing everywhere. Oh no. It just like opened up and 
all this water started flooding and the orchestra pit wasn't sealed like so the band is like underneath the cement oh. stage and this pit and all the wiring and everything oh, God. And, and people were like getting electrocuted they had to get really? out yeah and then like and i'll never forget like the um and then they eventually like lifted everything up so that if it happened again I, it was insane and then the thing that i remember <laughs> yes. is there was there was this guy who was playing the lead don lockwood who steven actually did a show with yes on broadway and he in the middle of tech had a nervous breakdown and he ended up quitting. He just couldn't handle it. I don't know if it was the rain. I don't know what it was. He ended up quitting. And so we opened the show. I think opening night, the choreographer did all the dance numbers. The Cosmo oh. read all of his lines from his script. Oh. And I, somebody sang offstage all of his stuff. So we opened the show with no Don Lockwood. Oh, Weird. God. <laughs> There was no one that could just kind of step in and kind of fake their way through it. It was so bizarre. Wow. That it takes a village. <laughs> That's a good story. So if you knew him from this disastrous moment, Brett, and Steven did a show with him, at what point did that connective tissue happen and you were like, Steven? Well, oh, I so just don't we just don't Brett, mention it. Just we don't, don't mention well, it. no, no, he doesn't mention it. But he had told me that story before I'd worked with this person and then <laughs> Once I was working on the show, I was telling him who was in it, you know, who who I was around or whatever, who was in the cast. And Brett was like, that's the guy. That's, remember the story? And I was like, yes. He was like, that was who it was. Remember I said I couldn't remember? That's who it was. And I was oh like, my <laughs> God. And to be fair, this person is extremely talented and done amazing things. So... Clearly, sure. they were having a moment. I, right. I don't know. But Probably totally yeah. normal and typical outside of a really stressful yeah, 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 horse yeah, yeah. flood full of <laughs> I mean, summer stock anywhere, let alone like right on a mosquito pond, is enough to bring anyone to the brink for oh sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like dancing in costumes with with a body full of bug bites i can't even fathom no i always felt so bad for the girls because like in oklahoma they wore those hoop skirts and the mosquitoes <gasps> would fly and like kind of just get land in there strapped on their, you know, like, and their legs would just be like eaten alive <laughs> and tights will not help you no, no. they don't no. do it like you have we were, to there, there was like off bug spray like in the wings you know so oh the, before, my yeah. god no yeah. uh i i think since we spoke to you before. Um, I actually did a. I, I do burlesque, Stephen, and I performed at a place where I didn't realize that I was going to have to be changing outside. I had seen shows there before. I didn't realize right. that everybody was just like out the back with a fence. Um, and ah. I, I was like, oh. I would have brought bug spray, and she was like, oh, here you go. We keep some back here, and it was empty. And I was like, oh. <laughs> No. no. Like, I would have brought no. bug spray and different shoes and... Oh, no. <laughs> New York, New York. Anytime oh, any anybody like romanticizes burlesque or drag even in New York mm. City, people are like, oh, it's the big time. I'm like, you guys have no fucking idea the depth <laughs> to which we can plummet. So <laughs> They throw all their money into what it looks like from the bar. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. For sure. That's true. That's true. What about you? Like, what was, do you remember any sort of crazy, disastrous first ballet gigs that you did? Well, I mean, being like outside. So, my, the first place that I danced was the New York City Ballet. So, uh, the, the biggest thing I can think of is like, honestly, we performed at an amphitheater every summer too. And, um, just kind of like Brett was talking about in Saratoga Saratoga Springs. So there were a lot of um, mosquito bites and things like that. And a lot of, like, I can remember the first time I ever got thrown on in, like, a big principal role. I got thrown on to do Bluebird and Sleeping Beauty. And I was, like, so nervous. Was really, really, really under-rehearsed in a part that you can't be under-rehearsed in. You're just going to, like, I knew I was, like, walking towards my death, like, as far as, like, the way my (laughs) legs would feel and, like, breathing. I was like, oh, God, here we go. And it was like, um, you know, it was probably in the 60s at night and it was the summertime, but it just happened to be a cold night. And it was like, 
I walked out onto the stage and there were heaters backstage that you could stand by, but I walked out and like literally you're ra- like radiating steam. And so then you're just like breathing and there's like steam coming out the whole time. Another thing that happened there was we were doing a ballet called Glass Pieces, which is a Jerome Robbins ba- ballet. And um, in the third movement, it's like it's a huge um, ensemble movement with uh, all of the core and and we're all dancing around and all of a sudden a dead um, mouse flew down and just oh was God. dead in the middle of the stage. You know, things like that were happening. But that was mostly because of like the outdoor experience, right? Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if an owl just like dropped it on its way by. It was like you guys. <laughs> probably. Probably. It was like glass pieces. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, it was really funny because when I was really young and I first started working, I used to, because ballet can be quite difficult and hard and exhausting. And when you're a teenager, you know, you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're kind of going yes. through that phase. Nothing and, is um, worth it ever. I used to always be like, oh, maybe maybe like some storm's going to come and like the show's going to have to be canceled. Nothing's nothing wrong will happen. Nothing bad will happen, but we just will get a night off, you know. <laughs> and in in Saratoga there was a night where there was really bad weather and wind and rain and the orchestra pit flood it did flood a little bit, but they were and I was like hopeful. I was like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe and then and then it, we ended up performing. So I always learned quickly. You know, I learned at a young age, like, no matter what, the show will probably most likely go on. So uh-huh. don't get your hopes up. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, but later on in my career, things did happen. Like um, some snowstorms happened. I think when I was an American in Paris, there was like, it, I don't even know that it was that bad of a snowstorm. But for whatever reason, um, the mayor at the time, I guess it was de Blasio, um, shut the subway system down. So when that happened, they closed Broadway for the day or weekend. Oh. Nine, I can't remember. And it was it was a Saturday. Oh yeah, I have a video of him. And coming we have a home. video of me coming home. I'm like, what? Show's canceled. Because, <laughs> but to preface it is because when I was much younger, like in my teenage years and performing all the time, I'd be like, maybe the show will be canceled, and like it never would be. And so right. for it to be canceled, I was like, it's so oh rare. Oh my god, it's canceled. Especially at Broadway, oh. it's so rare. <laughs> so or, rare. I, yeah. This is not where I thought I would go with this, but then in Billy <laughs> Elliot, um, there was a moment in the show where there was a lot of technical difficulties, like in previews and pretty early on. Um, for anyone who's seen the show, um, the transition from the scene, I can't remember what they called the scene, but the scene before the riot. Um, so, there, you know, the house is on, they're in the kitchen, and then the set does this big, like, pull away, and his bedroom pops up out of the floor, and then it comes down, and then there are a lot of traps open in the stage at that point, and there's about to be, like, a big um, riot on stage. So it's kind of dangerous, and the boy was out there alone, um, Billy was out there alone, and um, there were a lot of um, technical difficulties there, and they would stop the show there a lot, especially in previews. And, um, and you know, the show ran for three years and then it, the, that part would go smoothly most of the time, right? And then the last six months of the run, I remember, <laughs> for whatever reason, it was a Sunday matinee and we had two shows on Sunday and the set broke down and they had to stop the show right at that point, right where Billy's on stage by himself, like doing the angry dance before the riot <laughs> starts and the, nothing would close. So they had to stop the show and we stopped for 45 minutes, which is like an extremely uh. long time, especially oh. at the very end of Act One and on a Sunday matinee. You know what I mean? And um, yep. and at one point, speaking of thinking the show is going to be canceled, the stage <laughs> manager over the loudspeaker actually said, please hold. I think think we're going to be like something like I think the show will just have to end. Right. Um, she did actually say like basically the show will be over soon. We just hold for like five more minutes. And in that five minutes, they actually got everything yeah, working really. again. And we, <sighs> we did finish the show, but it was like 45 or 50 minutes after the fact. And I remember oh. after that day, I talked to Brett and I was like, 
I don't think this show's going to run for much longer. Yeah. Not oh, no. not specifically due to that, but like it just felt, you know, it just didn't feel yeah. right. And like, um and shortly after Sisyphean. that, it felt like we were they were they announced our closing, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. And like ran its course. How do yeah. you re-rally your audience? Probably most importantly because they're the ones. That's the hard part, right? It's like if nobody show, wants to do that. No. Well, and then the producers are thinking if they go forty-five minutes over, they're gonna have to pay the orchestra. They're gonna have to pay oh, the crew. God. Like, right? Plus, nobody gets a break before the next show. The next show, like, right? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You said that you had some nightmare tech problems with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we stopped the show once for 45 minutes because the car, but the car was always a thing, right? The Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, she was, they gave her the final bow. She was a diva. <laughs> and they a $2 million, bow. a $2 million diva. Oh God. But she's hooking, the, she's hooking up with the King Kong puppet now. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, but the worst, I mean, I, there were a lot that I that I remember. It would happen a lot, and we, you know, and then what would happen is like the the leads who were amazing, like Chip Zion and Robbie Sella and like um, Raul Esparza, um, Jan Maxwell. But they would all like kind of compete or Mark Kudish to like go out and basically entertain the audience while they reset everything to try to get the computers reset. <laughs> Oh, so God. they would all take turns every time the car broke down. Who's who's it this time? And somebody would go out and do basically like a stand up set or like Raul Esparza <laughs> basically did like a full on cabaret singing his greatest hits. Holy cow. Uh, but there was one time where the car got stuck midair and, you know, it kind of flew over the audience and it just was like stuck downstage with the kids and the family in the car and (laughs) you know and so they just basically were all sitting there and the house lights came up and everyone's just (laughs) they're just like waving waiting for the computer to reload (laughs) or we would get to the finale this happened one time maybe more than once and the car would get stuck mid finale flight you know oh no it's supposed to like rotate around and then fly upstage but it got stuck and so we just looked to the conductor and she's just like, she's just like looping us singing, oh, you pretty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Right. And then we're just like, <laughs> we're just singing repeatedly, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang. <gasps> like, oh my God. Until they oh, got the car off no. stage. Key change. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always like, and then Wicked too, it never happened when I was at Wicked, but they had the no fly shows where the elevator wouldn't work. So Elphaba would just walk out on stage and not fly. And everyone else would have to crawl on the floor. That's a backup plan. And reach up to her. If you look up, if you YouTube no fly shows at Wicked, you can see clips of this. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Were you at Wicked at all in overlapping time with Kathy Deitch? No, but Kathy went to my college, so I know Kathy. Oh, oh that's right. Yes, I remember her to her mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her. I love she's her. Amazing. Yeah. She she's told darling. us some incredible stories about um about Kristen Chenoweth after she hurt her neck and like how the cast would come around to her and like try and help the, her through the show on The being, Vicodin show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. It's oh yeah, just you wait. It's Those, so good. Her, oh god, the Viking it's show. so good. It's so oh, good. Boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Um. So how did the two of you meet? Did you meet uh, being cast in the same show? We never have done a show together. We've never done a show together. Oh, no. ridiculous. The only show we do is. The Broadway um, husband. The Broadway husband. <laughs> Which is so cute. No, oh, um, but that's so it. Yeah. Cute. Have, no, we've never we, done. We've anything. done like concerts. We've done like some benefits where he's sang and I've danced around behind. That's cool. Him. <laughs> that's cool. But we actually met through friends. Yeah. We actually met. Should we say? Yeah. yeah. We met in AA. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right on. Both been sober for a long time, and yeah. so we met at a meeting. 
And um, which is, you know, not to say like that's a reason to get sober, but if anyone's got a problem and, and you're lonely, it happened for us. So, uh, for sure. you know, same values, uh, same life trajectory. It's true. It's true. It's nice to have that dialogue and that that language together and um, and yeah. this, and that spiritual like there's all those elements for to sure. it that are very, very nice. But he was still dancing at City Ballet and I was doing Beauty and the Beast at the time. That's right. And then when I left Beauty and the Beast to do The Little Mermaid on Broadway was around the time he got asked to do Billy Elliot on Broadway. And so for a good two or three years... I didn't get asked. Let's be clear. I auditioned and I... (laughs) No one... But he got hired. I got hired. I didn't get asked. It wasn't like, oh, hey. Excuse me. Sorry. Do you want to do this? It was like, come in. They should have asked him. Anyway. That's how fancy he thinks you are. (laughs) I wish it was that easy. I wish it was that easy. But anyway, it was it was like we had this, that little gay dream for like a good three years where our stage doors were literally across the street from each other and we could that walk each other. very yeah. gay and very adorable. It was the it was best. Really fun. Oh my God, I love that. It was the best. It was it was a good time. <laughs> Did you have like about a the same runtime? Could you show up for call and then basically go home on the train together? No. His was longer. My show was three hours long. His was like two hours and 20 minutes and he would get home way earlier than me and... Most of the time, he wouldn't have dinner ready or even have thought about what we were going to eat. I would be like, what are we going to eat? I don't know. What do you want? I'm like, you didn't even think about it? You didn't even make up a, make up your mind I about had DVR'd this? Oprah and I needed to watch Oprah. Yeah, he was always watching Oprah. That's right. That is totally right. He was oh always watching God. Oprah. Like, that was the yes. time period. Yeah. So when you're both in shows, what is your circadian rhythm? Did you hear that? What yeah, was that? it was a very strange. Was it your phone? No, that was so weird. Huh. I think our neighbor. Maybe it was our something. neighbor's dog. Anyway, I, oh, I think it was the neighbor's dog. Yeah, I was like, what was that? <laughs> Sorry. So, so the cir- okay. What was our uh, yeah, when you're both rhythm? doing shows, what is your like circadian rhythm? Because I have never. Uh, did I do an eight show a week? I did an eight show a week run off Broadway, but it's it's different in a musical. It's just different and it really so, it's it's a lot what, it's yeah yeah what does that require from your actual life schedule so that you can you know i think that typically we always we still do this like, i think we always aim to be asleep by midnight and that's just i think carried over from doing a show schedule even though we're not in a show schedule yeah sometimes we go to bed earlier i now. mean even when i would get home at like I guess I would get home at like 11 or 11.30. aim to be in bed by midnight. I would try and get to bed. I think we were like more like 12.31 then because there's no way I would get to bed by midnight. Maybe I did. But, but if we watch, we would try to watch a show, show or, you know, if we're watching a series, if it's really good and we're like, we got to watch the next one, we'd stay up a little bit later. But Steven, ah. Steven's very disciplined about taking ballet class. So he would always get up in the morning and go take ballet at 10.30 in the morning. Yeah. I would always try and get up at like eight. Um, and then... You know, that's usually, so we go to bed around midnight, wake up around eight. I would force myself to go to class um, most of the time, um, you know, because I, I, commuting, in, commuting, but in Broadway shows, or at least the Broadway shows I've done only one, well, maybe two where there was actually room to warm up properly backstage. backstage. Yeah. So I always just would go take class in the morning because it was, I always felt like set it and forget it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, set right. it and forget it. Cause show up. Cause you don't know what the condition is going to be like. So you might as well be as ready as you can be to walk into the door and just know that you can do it without having to really stress. So that, that was be on kind the of show's budget, obviously. <laughs> so, um, because at Billy Elliot, the stage was raked. Um, and it was a very physically demanding show. So, I just learned how to just kind of show up and I had like a moment where I could warm up before I had my big dance number that I did. But, but it was, it was a challenge. Um, and then on the town, there was a lot of space backstage too. But so we'd get up, I would take class. What would you do? I don't know. I depend. It just depend <laughs> on what was going on. What was going on. on. Yeah. Things were always changing. Like if I had understudy rehearsal Rehearsals, or yeah. my big thing was going to yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we would, our rhythm is, was always changing. I feel like it's still that way now. It's like, yeah. we're just so used to having kind of these adventurous lives of like 
you take a job when it comes and then your whole schedule changes or you travel or you book something or you have an audition or you, you know, you, you know. So mm-hmm. um, we've never been had like a very consistent anything, which is kind of fun to us. I think that we're kind of used to it at this point. But being sure. in a musical, I think it makes it very <laughs> regulated, right? Because in order to do... Uh, you know what we had to do in shows you 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 have to go to bed at a certain time you have to eat a certain amount you have to you know be rested and you know because I used to overdo it and then get to work and not be able to do my job the way I would want to right and the show would start and I'd be like oh god why did I do all these things today I'm so tired like, uh-huh, what was I right. thinking and then you get it creates anxiety Sure. And then the anxiety can turn into stage fright, right? Like I, I, I used to get like terrible stage fright when I never had stage fright. You know what I mean? Because right. I was so tired and filled with anxiety. Yeah. Um, so you have to really be careful. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you felt this, Brett, because you're a singer first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've talked to people, specifically like belters, and just been like, how how does your voice show up for you every night? And they were like, I don't talk from the second I go home up until curtain the next night. And I drink like minimum t- four liters of water, mm-hmm. so like two giant soda bottles. And yeah. just like the amount of calibration of your daily running life outside of a straight play. Because a straight play, you can you can kind of get away with anything. Like, just show up yeah, and but use those, it. But. Those alphabets, man, they're on vocal rest all the time between shows because there's just no way, you know? Mm-mm. Yeah. That's bananas. I do, think that, I do think that musical theater has shifted in a way that has the, the expectations, especially of the female leads, I'm going to go ahead and say. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody, the amount of belting, straight tone, like, focused, nasal, but resonant, like... <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm going like, to argue, I think that that's male, too. I mean, look at Book of Mormon, you know... Okay, that's... No, that that's Elder true. Price has to sing those ridiculous high Bs, and it's, yeah, like, right. not... It's just not... Why? Like, it's about <laughs> vocal gymnastics. Yeah. I I blame uh I blame American Idol. <laughs> mm. Valid. Probably, I think that that shifted everybody's expectations. That's probably true. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not like it went from a party trick to like <laughs> the standard. What the eight standard. shows a week? Yeah. And true. it's one thing if you're showing up as like a diva on tour and going to a different city every couple of nights and like making yeah. a shit ton of money, but right. when you're like a normal equity union performer. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And then, you know, I've, I've been an understudy for most of my career. And so, you know, also to be thrown on as a lead uh, who has to sing those crazy notes or whatever, and mm-hmm. you've not got the stamina because you haven't been doing it or you don't get the, uh, the permission or the chance to like build up the muscle memory that those people get, you know? And then the expectation is that you're supposed to do it exactly like them. And it's like, that is completely unrealistic. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) What show did you jump in on most? Um, Prince Eric and Little Mermaid. Yeah. I get the case. I would get thrown on a lot for that. It was a hard sing. Um, that song he sings in act one was really hard. And, you have to sustain this big note at the end of it and on an E vowel. And I remember mm. I would just be like, ee! like before like <laughs> the show, just trying to figure out my placement yes. and make sure it's there. And yeah. And how oh, about man. the how about the learning curve with Healy's in that production? Oh. <laughs> well, the best was like in rehearsals or the all the mer the mermaid sisters would have to practice with their tails on. And you would just see them like start gliding and then they would hit a track on the stage and you would just see a tail up in the air. Just, oh, the, no. They'd just face plant and a tail in the air. Oh, yikes. No. Those poor girls. God. Wait, so so there's there's tracks in the floor for moving set pieces and also you were in Shoes on Wheels? Correct. Wow, was he? Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. That could have been thought out a little more compassionately. Oh Correct. Compassionately? Correct. <laughs> there was a lot. Lucky if I can walk at all these days. Oh my goodness! Tracks, tracks um, on the bef- stage. Bef- go, sorry. Oh no no no! No go no ahead. go ahead. I was just say tracks on the stage. I I mean I have so many. 
I feel like all of my hardest dance moments and shows can like took place on like the crossroads of the world on the stage. Um, and Billy Elliot, I think the place where I placed my chair to start the dance, the ballet was literally like in between tracks, you know, like in a, like a small square, there were tracks everywhere. And my, I had to put my chair there and spin it. Cause that was like where this, the mark was. And I was like, and Hello Dolly, I had to do, I had to do like a coda, like a 16, 16 Alscon turns eight, eight shows a week. And to be on center center, and there was like a, a, like the girls would dance around me. And <laughs> in order to be on center was, it looked like, it also looked like the crossroads of the world. And I wore like rubber boots to turn in, which was also a problem. Oh. And the set was steel there because it had to be hard enough to support the train. So mm. I was dodging tracks and turning oh, on no. steel. So it was in like. rubber boots. In rubber boots. And it was. <laughs> Needless to say, I got a PRP injection in my knee when I left the show because my knee hurt so bad from oh, doing it. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Equity. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Safety mm. never. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Try. Uh, I was just going to say before I forget no. that, um, Stephen, you, me, and Jen have Chip Abbott in common. <gasps> I love Chip Abbott. The most darling creature. We used to work together at Lush in Herald Square together. Oh, yes. Yeah. He talked yeah. about that, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I love Chip. I did Radio City Christmas show with Chip. Did, oh, my God, oh, I love Chip. We didn't ask you last time, Brett. I have a, a, a Deb Unger. Deb Unger used to be a dresser at the Radio City Christmas show. Did she and really? Yeah, she did. She used to, uh, I think her last year, and then she retired, but I think her last year she was in charge of the kids, and she was like, this is bullshit. That's it. Wow. That's it. I want to be dressing adults, and that's... I would rather be leading the camels around. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> that's exactly what she compared it to. So Radio City is another banana schedule. What was your time there like? Oh my gosh! It was. He actually really liked the schedule. He was in the morning cast. Yeah, I was in the blue cast, and I'm a morning person. Yeah. But the tough schedule was like those Sunday mornings. We would have a 9 a.m. show, oh. and so, and I was a singer. Mm-mm. Um, there were six of us that were singers, and so I'd have to be warmed up to try to sing at 9 a.m. God. So what I would do is we lived in the East Village at the time. Is I would ride a city bike up. Second Avenue to get my body to wake up, and I would get there at like eight at Radio City, do a full-on thirty-minute yoga practice, <laughs> and then try to warm my voice up, and then do the nine a.m. show. It was hard, man. Oh my and then, God. Yeah. and then you know, you do like typically three to four shows a day, ninety-minute shows, but then there was that one day a week where what the there's the blue and the gold cast and one cast would be off and the other cast would fill in for the whole thing. So you would do five shows in a day and you're just like, you know, by the end of that day, just like I would literally go home and fall asleep at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I bet. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was just singing. I felt so bad for the dancers and the Rockettes because their bodies. How does that even work? (laughs) Right. By the fifth show of the 15. day? They're, They're all 15. 15. No, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, but I liked so that crazy. gig because I like Christmas. I like the holidays. And I like New York City. That's I love the history venue. of Radio City. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it, you make so much money in that short amount of time. Uh, but people are very, it, they're very cutthroat there. The, they take it very seriously i think because they make so much money uh-huh. that they kind of make it not fun like it's right. just you know right if you do something i've never worked there so but i'll just say i've heard that if you do something like i think isn't there a number where you get bells like as a santa claus oh yeah the bells would have to get- and like if you don't get your bells like whoever gives notes the dance captain whoever it was be it would be like you ruined christmas you didn't get your. Oh no! I mean, it was. I've heard from multiple people. The pressure people that, that those yeah. those girls and the and, and the all dancers. the Rockettes get these like end of season 
private like meetings where they tell them what they did right and what they did wrong and what they need to improve on for next year if they want to be considered. Santa would not approve of that. (laughs) (laughs) That feels very out of alignment with what they're it was intense. It was intense. That's one of the reasons why I was like, I'll, I'm good doing this once. I don't know that yeah, I need to do that. Right? <laughs> oh, what was the one other thing that was supposed to happen at Rockefeller Center? Or uh, no, that was supposed to happen oh, at Radio City. The spring show that got canceled? Yes. Summer show, spring show, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's right. The, it was just one giant money suck, wasn't it? Oh, they it spent never launched so anything. much money and then oh, never actually did it. Was it the spring it. one or the summer one? There was the spring show and then they did another one. Then they, they tried to rehash a lot of the stuff that they spent money on and did it in the summer. Oh, that's what Like it was. two years after that. But that's when they fired... Mia Michaels. Mia Michaels. No, they fired... What's her name who ran the Rockettes? Oh, Linda Aberman. Linda Aberman because she had... Yeah, Aberman. it was all very... Crazy. It's so interesting, too, because Radio City is run by Madison Square Garden, right? Yes. Who also own, like, the Rockets, mm-hmm. right? So you've got these. It's basically, like, run Wait, by. Sorry. The Houston Rockets? Sorry, not the Rockets. Oh, the, um, the Rockets. What's... Oh, the Knicks. Wait, no, not Rockets. No. The Knicks. The Knicks. Yeah. Sport thing? Okay, I was like, right. sport thing I'm or thinking dance sports. thing? I'm thinking sports. I, I... <laughs> I, you know, sports that my brain doesn't understand. And they must own, I guess, the Rangers, too, because MSG is where the Rangers play. Right. So. The yeah. pe- so like opening night of the Radio City Christmas show, these gorgeous classy Rockettes. It's like it's literally like the cast of The Sopranos is giving the opening night speech, right? Because right. that's who right. owns MSG. It's right. Like, it's yes. like this Italian person comes up who's like, "Hey, welcome to the Radio City Christmas <laughs> show," you know, and you're like, "Where are we?" And those are the people making the decisions. <laughs> Madison Square Sanitation. <laughs> Forget about it. I was like, I remember these women like coming up who just looked like the Kardashians, and I was like, who are these people? The mob wives. Yes. Mm -hmm. You bet. What you gonna do? That's why they've got Billy Joel in residence. No one loves Billy Joel more than mobbed up Jersey Italians. Correct. (laughs) And they sell out every Every show. Every time. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a hell of a show, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, Stephen was doing, was it On the Town? Was it On the Town you had the Christmas party? Yes. Okay. So yeah, I was in on the town. There was a Christmas party. So this was 2014 because we opened in the fall of 2014. So it was Christmas 2014. We had the same. Tell the story about the first day of rehearsal of on the town, the producer. Oh, yeah. This is good. So. (laughs) So in on the town, they had done a production of it in Barrington stages like a year before the Broadway show. So most of the principals and Chip. Um, Abbott, and I think that's it, came from Barrington, and everybody else was new. We had done, we did a dance lab in December of 2013 where we um, choreographed all the numbers and presented it, Um, and then we went into rehearsals in August of 2014. Um, They, I think we only rehearsed for maybe three weeks before the first performance. I mean, it was a very, very, very short rehearsal process. And, um, and so right out, out the gate, we were like rushed, right? And the first day we're standing around and, you know, doing the introductions and they're showing us the set and all that stuff. And everyone usually typically on a first day goes around and says, hi, I'm Stephen Hanna and I'm in, in the ensemble or whatever you're doing. And um, so they were like, like literally John Rando is like, everyone really quick, 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 introduce yourselves. We got to get going. We got to read the script. We got to get through. We got to get, you know, like rushing already. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, just introduce yourselves really quick. Make it brief. We got to go. We got to go. And then uh, he doesn't talk like that. I'm talking more like Jerry Zach. Sorry. John Rando is a little bit calmer than that, but you I've know, had that a lot other of Broadway a lot of cup of, with, a lot of you know. a lot of coffee. Anyways, so he we go around and everybody's like, "Hi, I'm Brett Schuford. I'm in the ensemble. Hi, I'm Stephen Hanna." Blah, blah blah, you know. And everyone's being really quick. Then all of a sudden, we get to Corey Brunish, who is a producer. Um, and at this point, I don't think I really knew who he was. Uh, I knew he was a producer, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Corey Brunish. I'm a producer and." 
he says maybe another thing. And I remember everybody, like you can see people's faces like, oh my God, what is this guy doing? Like he's taking up time. You know, we're all like, we got to rehearse. We got to dance, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and he actually then introduces the woman next to him who is his girlfriend. And he gets down and proposes to her at the meet and greet. And it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, and they're still married to this day. Um, and they have a little girl now. And they're so sweet. But it was just so funny because we were all so like, hi, I'm Stephen Hanna. Hi, I'm Samantha Sturm. Hi, I'm blah, 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 whatever, whoever. You know, and, and he's like, hi. And then he proposes to his wife. And then... Then, then we had to continue the circle, right? It was oh, like the company no. man, you know, like the next people had to go. So uh, that was very fun. That was a very memorable meet and greet. But then, he like, the have lead- insisted that they start with the girl next to, <laughs> and like what? <laughs> but that, then, like that same lead producers on that were the producers for Pippin, for Pippin. and for was that uh, it? I think it was just Pippin and oh. on the town at the time. Yeah. And um, they decided to throw this Christmas party and invite both casts, both casts, and do like a joint Christmas party at the Box, which is a very famous <laughs> Lower East Side um, burlesque venue, which is a very cool venue. Like it's it's got a lot of history, look, you know, to it, the way it looks, and like the it's there are a- lots of places to sit. <laughs> and, no, it's, and it's very exclusive like when mm-hmm. you if you're just trying to go there it costs it's a hard, lot yeah. of money mm-hmm, Lillian mm-hmm. was telling me it's very eyes wide shut like this yeah. is not somewhere you can just go and see a nice burlesque act like this no is- no and there's a veil of mystery around it like you never know what sort of thing you happen. might see but like it's the kind of thing where you're like oh my god it's something you're going to talk about the next day <laughs> or mm-hmm. with your therapist the next day <laughs> Well, you know, and I had a friend at the time, or I still, you know, have her as a friend, but she would do sometimes shows there as a dancer, and she would tell me some of the risque numbers that were being performed there, and she was she was just kind of like a backup dancer for, like, acts, and she would tell me, there was one dance where, like, they were dancing to, like, Star Wars music, and they had Darth Vader helmets on, and then they, they would pour, like, fake cocaine out, and, like, have to, like, pretend like they were snorting it and stuff. Like, weird, weird, well, crazy but, thing. So this is where they decided to throw the Christmas party, right? But, and so, but wait, Stephen, did you know that beforehand? Or was, yes. was your... Okay, okay. I was aware. I, I was your aware. producers did not. But if I, I was thinking about it, I would be like, oh, I guess they rented out the space. That's what they did. Right, they did. And they did. Right. They rented out the space and they... So. And they Invited, you know, the cast of Pippin had kids in it. And then there were, like, they invited the crew and the musicians. And they Everyone all. Everyone was there. It was a Christmas Everyone party. So there. they all brought Everyone. their families. Everyone. And they. I mean, I brought Brett. Everyone was there. <laughs> and they had a, before, like, there was going to be a show. And they were like, oh, we're going to have a show. And we're like, okay. Uh, but before that, there's a buffet. And they set the buffet up on stage. And we all kind of got our food. And once the food was gone, they cleared the stage. And we all sat down. And they were going to do this show. Well, this show starts, and all I remember is this one act where this, it looked like the old lady from, um, you know, Beauty and the Beast comes out with a cane, and <laughs> this music starts, and slowly this this person starts to peel off layers of this the, their clothes, and so it starts off with, like, the old lady then becomes, like, a sort of swag, you know, swag, dapper person, and then slowly, slowly, slowly reveals that they they have nothing on. And it's a female body. And at one point, this female body, like, gets down on the ground. There's a clamshell open. <laughs> and the female body reaches into her vagina and pulls out this piece of white fabric, pulls it over her head, sticks her, sticks her head into the... Um, clamshell like she's the pearl and then closes it and that was the end of the act and all these people have their kids there and they're like like oh my god like closing their covering their kids eyes and like people started leaving in the middle of the act and we were like what is going on it was very entertaining it was very entertaining it was very memorable it was awesome and it's it's a shame because the party was actually 
really great. The food was good. Like, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden I was right. like, wait, what just happened? What is happening? Oh, Everyone was no. just so caught off guard. It, it was, was like, really fun. Is there something about, I just love that whoever organized the party was like, if you're booking here, this is what you get. They weren't like, what, how should we, right. do, do you want like a Broadway themed show or right. like, right. Or like Right. And I think that, that to be fair, I like, think this was the G-est, like the most PG show that they had. But it still probably. was like pretty risque. I was like, I yeah. couldn't imagine pulling a piece of fabric out of your your vagina and then putting it over your face and head. Right? Would you like to know the secret? Yeah, it's not a real vagina, right? No, it's your real vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a faux piece of... What is it? What's the secret? I'm imagining like a breakaway vagina. Um, no, no, no. Those uh, The receptive condoms that are so hard to find now. Oh. Like basically they have they have like a structured ring that sits on the outside of you. You can put it in your butt too if you want, like wherever you want to put it. And so there's a little ring that goes up inside and then it's um it's like uh, much wider than a normal condom. Oh. So that if you, you are put in a liner. It's a liner. Yeah. Got it's it. like it. it's like a trash can liner. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got and got it, got uh and then so whatever <laughs> you put up there as long as you didn't get anything on it before it went up there it doesn't get your whatever on it so <laughs> that is good to know burlesque and while i can't I guarantee that. that all burlesque performers do that um but if yeah. it's a piece of fabric it behooves you as the performer because that is not you can't just stuff fabric up there oh god <laughs> oh, so anyway merry christmas magic merry christmas <laughs> For anyone who's Everyone. looking for a, a fun advent calendar idea. <laughs> Can you it. imagine if every little door was just a pair of legs and you'd open the door and you'd pull out like a tiny little handkerchief? You're welcome. You're it was welcome. a very creative show. Oh my God, show. I'm going to be so rich. That's, that's your new act, Lillian. That's your new yeah. act. It's the advent calendar act. It oh. has a little set of French doors. Each one is a leg. And on the first is day of Christmas. That a uh-huh. performer has put inside their body. Hooray. <laughs> one of them, you open it, and it just automatically sprays whipped cream or something in your face. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We, we need to get the folks from Baking Impossible on this right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Did was anybody able to like look anybody in the eye the next day? Like was that <laughs> I don't remember. I think I mean I think everyone was like, "Well, that was weird." Did you see they whoever I, there were like two little kids or three little kids in Pippin. They were like, "Oh my god, they were, you know, they were here. They saw it, uh, you know." Um it was definitely the talk talk of the town at on the town, you know. Um uh- <laughs> Children yeah. are way less scandalized about that stuff. They the, they will react however you react to totally, it. Oh, God, totally. especially show kids because they're just tiny adults. Yeah, 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 yeah. Show kids, <laughs> Broadway kids are so disciplined and strange. Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they're like reading the New Yorker. <laughs> oh, f- for sure. They're writing op-eds for, sure. for the Atlantic. Like. <laughs> yeah, almost every Broadway show I was in had kids up until... Up until Wicked. Well, even not Broadway. I was uh, I was in a community theater show with somebody who did drag professionally, and um, they took us all to. I I was saying this the other day. Virginia had a lot more all ages venues. (laughs) Like up here, you can't take a kid into a bar, like it's unless it's a restaurant restaurant. Um, But this was a a bar, and it was a it was a very racy drag show. And I was fourteen, and everybody was like, "Is she okay?" And I was like. I'm I got I'm got this, you guys. It's fine. I'm good. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I mean, yes, for sure. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> Brett, you had teased about a Cirque du Soleil thing that we oh, never yeah. got to. And I would love I want to hear a Cirque du Soleil story. Oh my gosh. Well Paramore is like there's a, so many. There's so many. Um I could write a whole book about Paramore. Um but probably the most Probably the most entertaining uh, story was that they, you know, Cirque du Soleil just is just basically a billion-dollar company with zero structure. Like they, they sort of like 
their whole idea, like they were built off of being street performers in Montreal. And so they still run the company like they're street performers <laughs> in Montreal, even though they're billionaires. And so they, you show up to rehearsal and they've got a $25 million budget and we would show up at rehearsal and they'd be like, what do you want to do today? <laughs> uh, and you'd be like, I don't know, you're the director, you know. The, 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 and they'd be the like, show. I know, I know what we do. I will play music for 45 minutes on loop and you come up with eight counts of choreography and then you will do the choreography for everyone and if they liked your choreography you would then have to teach it to everyone and oh. so we basically yeah it was that's insane. very collaborative and there <laughs> How was this on earth one- did they get an equity contract well that's a whole nother story too. Uh, mm-hmm. That was like, <laughs> what's your most entertaining story? Tell it, tell it. So tell it, go. the thing was that this, this one young, uh, first, it was her first Broadway show. She was very eager, very driven. And she wanted, she, she literally the first day of rehearsal came up to me. and was like, are you understanding the lead? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I was like, are you? And she's like, not yet. But I heard the girl who is, and I, she can't sing it. So I'm determined. I was like that. She was that kind of girl, you know? And I was like, Uh, oh boy. Well, she ends up through a turn of events getting the understudy because she was determined. But the girl who they kind of demoted, her reaction to that was she kind of got upset. I, 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 but didn't let anybody know, you know, girls are vicious Mm -hmm. and she basically ended up writing a song. I walked into rehearsal one day early in the morning and she's singing this song in the rehearsal studio by herself for the entire creative team. And I said to somebody, what is that? And they were like, she wrote a song and she's pitching it to them. And her song opened act two. No <laughs> way. Wow. I mean, and I was like, girl, if you can do that, and because it was just, there was no one in charge. It was like, basically, like, if you want to do it and they like it, you got it. Like, <laughs> you know, for as unhinged as that sounds, Brett, you know that Dallas would have told you or I to do that same shit. So, like, it's really. Like, get it, girl. And now she has, like, <laughs> I think she's gotten like this. This girl, she's got like three hundred thousand Instagram followers. Really? And I'm like, I mean, she's kind of blown up in her own oh, little, wow. you know, viral way. So I was like, good for you, girl. But it was just <laughs> insane. It was like a free for all. Talk about Wild Wild West. It was insane. Wow. Oh my god. So good. I want to write a whole book about Very that show. Book. Yeah. Oh. Well, I th- that's definitely the way yes. that Cirque feels. Like, it couldn't possibly come from that much structure because it's just so it's just so random. I love when people go see a Cirque show and they're like, oh, I really love the concept of this. And then I'm like, no, there was no concept. There's no, like, <laughs> they literally were like, here's an act. Here's some costumes. Here's some things. Like, go. Like, there's right. no, no one's thinking, how do we take this vision of, no, there's no vision. <laughs> Funny. It's just like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> There's no vision. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of money, though. <laughs> oh, for Bless. sure. I feel like yes. we've only scratched the surface, so we'll have to come back and do another one. <laughs> yes. By the way, you can always, if a story strikes you and you're like, oh my gosh, I should have told them this, just do a little voice memo or a little a little recording and just send it to us. That's okay. a good idea. Easy. Okay. But we Easy. can also absolutely do a uh, part two Cirque Boogaloo. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, the Cirque, I mean, he would come home and I would listen for 45 minutes while mostly he would kind of complain and then tell me like unbelievable things and I would kind of laugh. And then I would, after 45 minutes, I'd be like, baby, I love you. It's going to be okay. There's like, baby, I love you. It's gonna that be okay. year and a half of my life, there's like sex, death, yeah, intrigue. I mean, scandal. I mean, there's so much that happened and we but weren't allowed to talk about any of yeah. it because we signed we our lives away. We will do a download part two. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Yes. Whew. 
Um, before we say goodbye, I do want you to tell us a little bit about your um, imposter to influencer map. Oh yeah, I'm real. So I'm very passionate these days about helping as many creatives, especially LGBTQ plus creatives, make money doing what they love, become known, um, become powerhouses in whatever industry they choose to uh, to be in. So I've been doing a lot of social media marketing coaching. And I built a, a real fun way for people to get comfortable putting their themselves out there and building a personal brand, uh, basically building your own theme park. And so I call it the imposter to influencer map. And it, you can download it for free. And it's a great way to sort of spark uh, some ways to get your you know, get courageous enough to put yourself and your work out into the world. Um, it's of course, it's only a touchstone, but it's a great way to sort of see how I work um, and also maybe help unlock some things that might be getting in the way of, of you getting yourself out there. So you can go to um, imposter to influencer map.com. Beautiful. And we'll have that clickable in thank the show you. notes as well. Uh, glorious. Thank you both so much for joining oh, us. 100%. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's our joy. Um, also, send these to lots of love and good vibes. They're about to be dads in April. Um, mazel tov. So exciting for oh, you. Thank you. Um, and we will have uh, all the places that you can find Brett and Steven in the show notes, including Broadway Husbands accounts, which are incredibly adorable, really cute ways to not just stay sharp as performers and to have fun, but also to stay together and stay viral. (laughs) 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 Not for nothing. (laughs) Um, Thank you both so much. Thank you, thespians, for listening. And until next time, the answer is always a receptive condom. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Always. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.